Here comes Cohen. He's headed for the plate. This game is tied. Our 17th athletic director for Mississippi State University, John Cohen. Hi there, and welcome to the John Cohen Podcast. We're glad to have you with us today, wherever you're listening to us. I'm Neil Price. John is alongside. Uh, Good to see you again. Thank you, Neil. All right, we have got a big show planned for you today, and we're talking about a lot of football with two Mississippi State greats, Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox. How much fun was it for you to get together with these guys? My goodness, Neil. Not not only these guys, Mississippi State people, but these are two guys who are arguably the best at what they do in the world, uh, and, and to speak to them and to see how much they've grown in their time at Mississippi State and now in their professional lives and f- to hear them talk about their families, uh, it, it was really a moving experience for me. Darius Slay has become one of the best cover corners in the National Football League, and we were fortunate that he was back in town in early February to take in the Mississippi State LSU basketball game, gave you a perfect opportunity to catch up with him and talk about football and about life, too. Yeah, just listening to him talk about his mother and, and the relationship they have and, and getting to meet his, his wife, who, by the way, might be the best basketball player, maybe the best athlete in the family if you, if you look at some of the video on, uh, online. But certainly listening to his story of, of how he got from some really humble beginnings to being one of the best at what he does. All right, so that's enough from us now. Here's Darius Slay with John Cohen from back in early February on his visit to Starkville to talk about football and about life. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown Lions. Darius Slade, welcome back to Mississippi State. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so we're actually watching a big ball game versus LSU right now. Are you into basketball? Do you like basketball? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, I was coming to support. I got a brother on the other team. And that's Well, her brother. But uh, we just come to support, and I'm like, man, you know, Hell State, though, I'm going to see you. I got you. You know, I saw you guys playing basketball, like on a – you guys were being interviewed, and you were playing basketball <laughs> against each other, right? Mm-hmm. So who's a better basketball player? I am. <laughs> For sure. See, that's – okay. All right, I'll take that. Hey, I, here's one, one thing I want to start out with, uh, and I like asking this question because y- you might be the best at what you do in the entire world, right? Right. I like your confidence. There. <laughs> um, you've led the, the NFL in interceptions. You, you've been to two Pro Bowls. How did you get here? Who are the people, Darius, who got you to this level? To uh, Mississippi State? No. I'm oh. not talking about to where you are right now. Uh, who are those people who got you there? I mean, the Lord, first of all. And, um, you know, I had a, at a young age, I had a son that I wanted to take care of. That motivated me. Now I got um, additional families. Uh, I got kids, more kids. I got a wife. And um, so they kind of motivated me to uh, do my job. I want to ask you about your mother because because <laughs> I know that your, your situation, she must be an absolute all-star. Um, she had you at a very young age, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just the research I've done, you, you really had to help raise a family at a very young age. Right. Uh, my mom had me at pretty young. Uh, she managed uh to help, then I got a great grandmother, who did a lot, uh, a lot also. So, uh, you know, they did a great job raising me as a man. Um, you know, taught me a lot of things, and um, they got me prepared for what I'm going through right now. That's that's awesome. Hey, I was looking back to your history, your junior high school, Brunswick High School, Brunswick, Georgia. Right. You got you have an, a knee issue mm-hmm. right there, 
and I, I'm just curious. I, I, you said something very interesting in an interview that I've seen recently. You said, they kind of asked you about your success, and you said, well, I have to be successful. I, I've got to be good. That's your stories to it. I, I've got to be at a high level. When you had that knee injury, your junior year of high school, did you? Was there anything in the back of your mind saying this could be it? I, I don't know if I'm gonna ever play again. Uh, at the time I was, cause it was kind of shocking, you know. I didn't know what a meniscus tear was. So I thought like it was some kind of big surgery, but as I got older, it really ain't that big of an issue. But still, it was a surgery I needed. So I was kind of, you know, thinking of my futures without football at one time, but then it changed quickly. Well, it's gonna be scary <laughs> the first time you ever get cut on, right? I mean, it's the first time you, you have any form of surgery, which is common for football players, but. You know, in the back of your mind, you're saying, this this could be it. Yeah, yeah. At a young age at that time, I was. I was like 16. So I was like, man, what? So I didn't know I had them type of bones in my knee. Um, <laughs> you go to junior college mm -hmm. in the state of Mississippi, right? Uh, you go to Itawamba Community College. Right. So there's been a lot of documentaries recently that have been about junior college football in the country, you know, in Kansas and here in Mississippi. I'm just curious. You experienced junior college football. Mm -hmm. Did you watch any of those documentaries and say, you know, this was like my experience? It is. It's, uh, it's, real, it's really like that. Um, definitely at uh, Itawamba. It was a, a tough environment. You had a – it was, whew, it was like backyard football. It was rough, uh, bad equipment sometimes. You know, everybody might not have it. Um, you know, they had uh, rules you had to go by. You know, certain, certain out-of-staters can only come. So it, it was it was real deal. Do you, do you get to Mississippi State and the kids who are signing out of high school who just show up here without having the experience that you had? Mm -hmm. Do you go, man, you guys are spoiled. Like <laughs> you, yeah, you, have, you have no idea how nice it is here versus having to go the route that you just went. I I have a theory that in some ways a lot of junior college players bring a lot more toughness to oh, this yeah. level. Do, oh, you, do you agree? Of course, because, um, uh, you know, you go through it. You go through the trenches. You go through the hard days, the hot, sweaty days. When You know, I mean, one day in practice, we even have, like, water. So, you know, you had to find a way, but we had to get the day done. So, uh, but it was it was tough out there, you know, and it made me a tougher player. So, Man, I appreciate junior college. No water, man. That's like uh, <laughs> it was the Barry rough. Bryant, Texas A&M days right there. I'm telling man. you, then they ain't serve us Gatorade at all. So we had to always just drink water. So I got here drinking Gatorade during practice. I felt amazing. Man. <laughs> so you have a brilliant career here at Mississippi State. You, And I want to ask you this question because we have a lot of players right now who are entering the draft this year from mm -hmm. Mississippi State. They've gone through the combine experience. Right. The, you know, the all-star football game experience. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, when you were going through that and you're entering the draft, how much pressure did you put on yourself in those combines and those all-star games? I, I did. I did um, a lot of pressure to myself. I put a lot on it because uh, I knew um, this would just, like, put me out there. So um, I had a lot of recognition in college, but I knew for me to step out there and get drafted where I deserved to be at, I had to uh, show up and perform. And perform you have. That's pretty <laughs> remarkable what, what you've done. You're a second-round pick. You're the 36th player taken overall. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. Here's what I want to know. It's pretty good. You're the 36th player taken overall. But when your name is called, are you disappointed? Are you saying, I'm better than this? Because I looked at the corners, right. you know, who went before him going, well, you know, some <laughs> folks might have made some mistakes. Did you feel that way? Uh, I felt like I was one I felt like I was one of the best guys in that, in that uh, group because, um, you know, all of us were talented as it is. All of us were great players. But I just knew me personally, how true of a competitor I am. I knew I was kind of up there with them level guys, you know. 
But I just felt like it was more of an experience thing for them because I only really played one year here. And um, a lot of the guys played three or four, you know, four-year starters, so they felt like they were more developed than me. But uh, I felt like at my peak, I was going to be better than all of them. Well, you were right. That's a good assessment <laughs> of yourself. Hey, at what point when you get drafted by Detroit do you realize in practice you're going to have to lock up with Calvin Johnson. I mean, what point do you realize that's going to happen? Oh, man, I, I realized that was going to happen the day I got drafted. That was the first <laughs> question they asked me, uh, is he ready to go against that great receiver? But I said, uh, I got to be. <laughs> I got to be. I mean, that's a different level physical player that even in the S by SEC <laughs> standards, you don't run into that a whole lot. <laughs> how, how did you do against Calvin Johnson when you first locked up with him? Ooh, well, my whole rookie year I went without um, – like knocking the ball down for him because he was so big, so fast, so strong and aggressive. And I was still coming out of college young-minded. But um, as the years got older, I got better. I started understanding him. Uh, he made me a better player, Actually, like one of the best. So uh, I, too, I taught my hat to him because uh, he made me a good player. So you're, you're a defensive player in the NFL. We had one of the best defenses here at Mississippi State in the entire country this year. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, as you look at those guys, if you could get those guys – Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat, um, Jonathan Abrams, if you could yeah. give them advice coming into the league, what, what would you tell those guys is the most important thing for them moving forward? Know that, know that, is, um, that you don't got to treat it as a business all the time. You know, it is still a game. It's still a kid's game. It's still fun. So uh, I just tell them, man, approach the game as you're going to have fun because you approach it as a business standpoint, that's when you get real technical. You get kind of lazy. You kind of – don't get motivated because it's, you know, but uh, I see it as, a, you know, go out there, enjoy your time, have fun. Everything will fall for, fall for itself. Do you, you know, you, you bring up a really good point. Are there a lot of NFL guys who are so focused in on the money and so focused in on their future that they don't have fun and they don't, you know, they have a tough time? Right. That's what, that's what I feel like. A lot of guys, you know, don't have fun. They're just doing it for the money. But, you know, even though, it's a good thing, you know, everybody want to take care of their family. But if you start doing it for just the money, it don't, the game just fall apart from you. As the years get older, when you're in your eighth, ninth, tenth year, you be like, man, I'm just done. You know, I don't feel it no more. Then, um, but, you know, if you're having fun, it might change your, your look on it. What was the moment you get drafted, you, you, you show up? What was the moment where you – because everyone who gets to that level has in the back of their mind, do I deserve to be here? Like – is this my moment? Can I compete with these guys? What was the moment where you convinced yourself that I deserve to be at this level in the NFL? Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I felt like I deserved when I first got there. But, you know, I got humbled kind of quick by Calvin. But um, with him humbling me like that kind of made me realize that I need to put more work and more effort into this because um, it's my profession. This is something I want to dream. This is my dream job. So I had to take it more serious than what I was. So I approached the game in a different way. Um, I got my mindset right and ready to go after it. Um, two Pro Bowls, mm -hmm. 2017, 2018, right? Yep. Was that experience what you thought it was going to be? Because your whole life you dream, right, of playing in a Pro Bowl. That's what all all right. professional football players think of. Was Did it match up with what you thought it was going to be? I mean, I had a great time. Um, but, no, nah, it would never match up because I do want a free trip to Hawaii. So... <laughs> They ain't going to never match up to it now. But uh, it was still a great time, still a great experience. Uh, my family enjoyed it. Uh, we get free free stuff to Disney, free Universal, a lot of free stuff, though. But 
it's nothing compared to Hawaii. I'm for sure of it. All your <laughs> accolades, uh, going to Pro Bowls, leading the NFL in interceptions, being All-Pro, first-team All-Pro. What, what accolade do you hang your hat on the most? Which one do you say, this is my crowning achievement so far in, in hopefully a really long career? Yeah. Uh, just being All-Pro. That's one of my biggest ones, you know, because that's mostly being recognized by your, your fellow peers, your uh, coaches, teammates, other players in our division, other players in other divisions that let you know that they watching film on you. They like they like your game. They respect your game. And, um, you know, because Pro Bowl, you know, it's, it's still it's still good for you. But uh, getting all pro is a different level. You know, people respect you more. Now, I've done a lot of reading on both of you guys, right? So, Jen, um, Darius, I – you guys have been described as the Brady Bunch, which is amazing <laughs> to me because both of you guys are so young. I wouldn't even think you guys would know what the Brady Bunch <laughs> is. Tell me a little bit about the family dynamic and how it all came to, to be. Uh, you need her to get in the mic? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, we got a, a, a little big family, a little big name. Some of the four of us, you know, with six of us can conclude it, but um, – yeah, she came in with a relationship with a kid. I came in with one. And, um, you know, we made ours, our baby girl. So, um, yeah, it's growing, you know. I think we're done, though. You know what's amazing? <laughs> I, I'm watching you guys play in that clip of you guys playing basketball that I mentioned before. And your kids are watching you. They're not watching the camera. They're watching you guys play. And I think they're both wondering who is a better basketball player, <laughs> mom or dad here. But that, that, was, uh, that was fun to watch. A very competitive house. <laughs> um Long-term plan. I got to believe that all NFL players think, how long am I going to be able to do this? Mm -hmm. You are in terrific physical shape. You always have been. You've worked your tail off to get here. How long can you do this, Darius? Um, long, I could do it pretty long, but it, it depends on how I, how I get to my, to my stage um, when I want to be a better father, a better husband. Because, uh, you know, at one of these times, I do want to be healthy enough to be able to play with my kids. You know, this game is physical. It does take a toll on you. But I, I want to be in a position if I could coach them, teach them what I know, still move good so they can see what I'm saying. Um, and, you know, be able to play hoop at 40 still sometimes. So <laughs> I want to make sure I'm still in that kind of condition to be able to do that. Okay, so you bring up something really interesting that I want to ask you that's all over the media, on television. You can't get away from it. Two boys, right? Mm -hmm. How do you – three boys. Three. Three mm -hmm. boys. How do we feel about those guys playing football? I, I, well, mine's don't play yet. He's going to start playing next year. He's the oldest right now. So, uh, he'll play next year with some pads on maybe. I'm thinking about it. I don't know yet. But Because uh, there are a lot of football guys who want their kids <laughs> to play basketball or baseball yeah. or something yeah, without but, a helmet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's whatever he chooses the desire that he want to play. But I am told him he wasn't playing no football, padding up until – I felt comfortable because, like I said, it's a dangerous game in there. And at this age, a lot of people don't teach kids how to tackle the right way, the proper way, use the proper technique for all that. So if he, when he do that, I need to be his coach so I could teach him how to do it. So. Okay, i got to ask you this question because I've been wondering <laughs> this my whole life. You guys play on Sundays, some Mondays, some Thursdays, but you don't play on Saturdays because that's when college football is going on. Mm -hmm. During the college football season, do you watch – your team, the Bulldogs, with all your buddies because you guys are probably walking through stuff. Of course. And, and, is, and is there, like, some serious jawing going on between? Yeah, it's a lot of jawing, definitely, in the SEC because uh, I got a lot of guys that's in the SEC that's on my team. 
uh, yes, yeah, a lot of going on. We be out there getting into it, you know. We make each other wear the colors. <laughs> whoever lose, you know, whoever win, you know, you get to take pictures of them, all kind of stuff. Fortunately, I've been on the other end of all of that. I've, everyone I win against, I done lost this year. I'm so blown. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, let, let's just really talk about your moments in Davis Wade Stadium here mm -hmm. in, in Mississippi State. Is there a moment that you go back to that was the, that moment that you'll never forget at Davis Wade? What is that moment for you, Darius? Uh, senior night. My senior night, man, uh, bringing out my mom, my grandma on the field with me, and then I had to pick that game. So uh, that's a night I will never forget uh, my senior night here. It's been a special day. Awesome. Thank you. I, I, I can't tell you how much it means to us that you're here. Jen, thank you for being here. Um, boy, I, I, in many ways, you, you could be considered the most successful Mississippi State athlete in history. Right. And you still got a long way to go. So mm -hmm. congratulations, man, and thanks for talking with us. Thank you. Neil Price back with John in our studio now and uh, wrapping up our conversation with the NFL cover corner and Mississippi State legend Darius Slay. I heard you tell Darius during the interview that he arguably is the best athlete to ever play at Mississippi State. Why is that? Well, Neil, those guys are on an island. And anytime you talk to an NFL head coach or listen to him speak, they have a different level of respect for the guy that they can just turn loose one-on-one -on -one against some of the best athletes in the world, those wide receivers. Uh, and Darius, is just, he's made his mark. And, uh, you know, to do what he has done at the, at, the, at the highest level and to see his work ethic and to see, you know, how, how he got to this level is pretty remarkable stuff. You know, and the thing I picked up on almost immediately in the conversation, just listening to Darius talk, he is incredibly confident and he is incredibly competitive. And I would imagine those two things are also very important if you're going to play at the highest level. How about this statement, Neil? How, how did this happen for you? You know, how, how did Darius, how did you get to this level? I didn't have a choice. His answer is, I didn't have a choice. I was going to get there. And that level of confidence, that level of eye contact, uh, pretty remarkable stuff. Uh, a, a man who, who really always had maturity beyond his years, but to see his progress from Mississippi State to the professional level, really neat. Yeah, and people believe the American dream's not a reality anymore. You could say Darius Slay's living it right now, coming from his humble beginnings, making it all the way to the NFL, and now an all-pro, uh, Pro Bowl selection multiple times. Uh, really fun conversation with Darius Slay. We got more football coming your way. John and I are going to tell you about Fletcher Cox in just a moment. The incredible iPhone XR and the C Spire network. More features, more coverage, more moments. Like the 6.1 inch liquid retina display for that Did you say liquid retina? moment. Or your choice of six stunning finishes for that Let me see! moment. Make your moment with the incredible iPhone XR and twice the nationwide LTE. Only at C Spire. Customer inspired. For a limited time, buy the latest iPhone. Get one on us. Details at cspire.com. Again, we're glad to have you with us on this episode of the John Cohen Podcast. We're talking a lot of football with you today. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Darius Slay. And transitioning now to a guy that is also a, a, a Mississippi State legend. He is a Mississippi native and has established himself as one of the best defensive linemen 
in the NFL, and that's Fletcher Cox. Uh, Fletcher's just a guy with a, a personality as big as he is, isn't he? Well, first of all, he's from Yazoo City, so I know you have a deep appreciation for that. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I love it when you do that during our broadcast. Jerry Clower, for, the, for those of you who don't know Jerry Clower, Jerry Clower lived in Yazoo, Mississippi for a good part of his life after uh, he left uh, the East Fork community down in uh, Amet County and uh, spent a lot of his professional life as a fertilizer salesman in Yazoo City. There, an aside. There's a double entendre with that, too, isn't there? With fertilizer. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, Fletcher's just a genuine guy who's worked really hard to get where he is. Fletcher is one of those guys who has such a deep level of appreciation for how he got to this level and all the people who helped him. You just you can't help but be inspired when you talk to this guy because he has done it the right way, Neil. And to go back to Yazoo City for a moment, uh, Sunday Night Football on NBC does these great starting lineup intros, and they always ask the players to introduce themselves and their school or – in Fletcher's case, uh, he always references Yazoo City High School. And it's not a slight to Mississippi State. It's just that Fletcher is incredibly proud of the community where he grew up. He, he is. And the humble beginnings he came from, the people who helped him get here to Mississippi State and to the NFL. You know, one of those guys is Kyle Wallace, who, who just tragically passed away at, a, at an early age. And he wanted to do something to recognize Coach Wallace. This is a man who picked him up every single morning and brought him to school. And it was like a father-son type of relationship. So I completely understand that. Um, and, and listen, nobody has more pride in Mississippi State than Fletcher Cox. And that's going to show, I think, in this conversation. So here's uh, Fletcher Cox with John Cohen right here in Starkville on the John Cohen Podcast. That would be the second fumble today by Breeze, and it is Fletcher Cox again, his third set of the game. Fletcher, welcome. Welcome home. We're, we're just thrilled to have you here, man. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, with all the success you've had, high school, college, now at the highest level in the NFL, do you, do you sometimes just wonder and reflect, how, how, all the, how did all this happen? Do you think about those things? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you think about it all the time, and I think I'll be telling the life. I tell you, I did, if I tell you, I, you know, I didn't think about it. Um, just knowing, you know, where I come from, and you know, where I am now um, in life, and to be so young, and just be, you know, just professional that I am right now. Um, the things that you know I've overcome to to get to where I am right now, and and as a little kid, you just never imagine it. Um, you always say. Um, you know, I want to be this when I grow up. I want to be that when I grow up. Well, I'm lucky enough to be a um, um, professional football player, and I'm a young adult. So, you know, I always think about it, and you appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tell you what, while we're on this subject, if you getting, you know, from humble beginnings to where you are right now, t tell me about your mother, Melissa. T tell me about her, um, and tell me what role she played in, in getting you here. Oh, man, she, she played the – By the way, uh, I want to interrupt – I saw her interviewed before I came to speak to you, and she talked about how happy she was when you signed with Mississippi State. So that right there sealed the deal. You got an all-star <laughs> mother right there. She's definitely an all-star. And, uh, I mean, you know, my mom, you know, growing up as a kid, she was always she was always my mom and my dad. So basically she was a decision-maker no matter, you know, if I, if I liked it or not um, because there was nobody else to go and ask. Um, you know, and, and that being said, you know, as I got older um, – my oldest brother, um, you know, always, he was my older brother, and, you know, he was kind of the man of the house. 
Um, so he had a part um, to do with, you know, some decision making. Um, but if mom could overrule that, then she would. Um, but just coming to Mississippi State and, you know, let my mom know that, you know, I was going to be a dog no matter what happened. Um, I wasn't going anywhere. I was just enjoying the experience of, you know, getting to see different places that, you know, that I may never get to get, uh, get to see again because, you know, Mississippi State was going to be my home. But, um, you know, I told her where I wanted to go. Um, and, you know, she was happy about it. Um, she was grinning from ear to ear. And uh, because, you know, the main thing for her was you know, every time she come here, it felt like home to her. She always felt welcome. So she was obviously one of the central figures in your life. And let's, let's go back to Yazoo City and, and let's talk about Coach Kyle Wallace and what he meant to you and your progression, not only as a football player, as an athlete, but as a man as well. Man, Coach Wallace, <laughs> uh, he's, um, he's one, of, one of my heroes. Um, he's one of the guys that played a big part in um, where I am today. Um, he made ways for me to be successful in life, and that's why I respect him and love him and his family so much. Um, you know, high school, he was always there for me um, during summer workouts. My mom had to be at work early in the morning. He used to always say, hey, bug guy, I'm going to be there in the morning. Be outside. So, <laughs> Bug Eye. That's my nickname. <laughs> and that's what he always called me. Oh, um, he always tell me, I'm going to be out there in the morning, be outside waiting. So, um, it was just things. He stayed maybe a mile down the road from me, uh, which which helped also. And, uh, you know, he picked me up every day, dropped me off at home, and tell me the same thing. I'm going to be there in the morning, be ready. And, you know, and part of it um, was, you know, him just, you know, just also just giving back um, because, you know, it's just in some people's heart to give back. Um, but he played a bigger role. He took me to camps. Um, my mom couldn't take me, brought me home, make sure I was fine and everything. And he just pushed me. Uh, he wanted me to be successful. And uh, people like that, man, you just, you just got to love them. Absolutely. Hey, am I reading my notes right here that you were, on, you were a high jumper in high school? <laughs> you're a high jumper. Correct. And you're on the 4 by 100 meter <laughs> that, team relay. That is right. I was on the 4 that, by That's going to be hard for a lot of people to believe. <laughs> Most people don't believe until I show them the picture. And then be like, oh, well, yeah, all right. Or somebody that's, you know, that was around me um, um, that knew that I did it. Tell, tell me, how much did that help your football career doing other athletic stuff outside of football? Because it got me out of my comfort zone, and that's that's one thing about it. Um, you know, I always wanted to get out of my comfort zone, doing things that I'm uncomfortable doing, um, I'll say that. Um, and, you know, just running track, it was a chance to compete, number one. And also, I'm just – I'm running. Get to run a four-by-one with my teammates that I, that I also play, um, you know, play football with on Friday nights. You're quoted as saying that – you couldn't bench 135 pounds <laughs> when you were a, a, a freshman in high school. That is true. When, when did you make that jump in terms of man size strength? Um, going into my sophomore year, uh, it was embarrassing. I tried to, I couldn't bench 135. I was just so embarrassed. Um, but in high school, not a whole lot of people could bench it, um, you know, as a freshman. But, you know, um, I just took it as I needed to get stronger. If, if I'm going to be serious about this sport, I need to. And, and, and tighten up. So, um, hey, I just did it. And Coach Wallace just made sure he was one of those guys to make sure I was there lifting weights, make sure I wasn't the guy that being laughed at because I couldn't do 135. One of my favorite words, Fletcher, is appreciation. And I read something that Christy Cater, your high school academic uh, counselor, counselor, said to you about you. She said, You're one of the most appreciative students, student athletes, students, period, that ever came out of Yazoo City High School. Um, 
that that means a lot coming from somebody who's been around for a while. T- tell us about your philosophies on on appreciation and how you you reach out to people. I mean, the thing, the biggest thing for me about you know appreciating people, um, because uh, my my whole thing is is without those without the ones that that help me get to to where I am today, then I wouldn't be where I am. And for me, that that's really big because you know if Miss Cater called me, I always answer her call. If she texts me, I text her back. You know, if she need me to, you know, talk to a child, I do that. You know, that, that was anybody that's, and that's still now, anybody that helped me along the way that I always appreciate them more than, more than anything in the world. You guys played a Sunday night game, and you're not going to remember this, but I sent you a text at 6.30 a.m. the next morning because that's when I start to function a little bit. And I just congratulated you on a great game. And one minute later, I got a text back from Fletcher Cox. Are you that good at returning all your correspondences? It's just the people, man. Just You always, you know, like you said, you always want to appreciate people. You always want to, um, you know, be part of, um, you know, also somebody, somebody that's, text, that's spending time out of their day texting me early in the morning. And you want to, you know, hey, I see your text. Thank you. Um, it's, it's just about all, all those little things. And building relationships, I mean, relationships go a long way. You, unlike a lot of your teammates, a lot of your teammates were two-star, three-star guys coming into Mississippi State. You were a very highly recruited student athlete. You, you could have gone almost anywhere you wanted to go, and you chose Mississippi State. Take me through that process a little bit. I mean, to me, I think it was easy. Um, um, I wanted, to, I wanted to, 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 to be close to home, which you know, was two hours from. It was a two-hour drive. And, you know, and like, it's, like I went back and talked about my mom every time I came here, no matter – what the circumstances I come here for, it all felt like I was welcome. It always felt like it was home to me. And I look at right now, you know, Starkville and Mississippi State is forever home for me every time I come back to visit. Give me your best moment in Davis Wade Stadium. What's the moment you you have the best memory of? Uh, um, I mean, obviously my best moment is – when we beat Ole Miss every time. Uh, so um, <laughs> That's a good moment. And I think that um, – I mean, that's the best time, man, is I think me knowing um, when it was my last game here. Um, I knew deep down inside, you know, it was time for me to go. And, you know, everybody kind of around me didn't know what I was going to do, and I kind of kept it to myself. But, you know, I think that's one of the things I, I, I regret um, when I play here. Uh, but the best time is – Always be no miss, man, and just uh, when the cowbell's ringing um, and the place is loud and, and we're winning. Um, you were the 12th overall pick. Philadelphia traded up to, to be able to get you. When your name was called, you're in New York City, you got your, your whole family there. Um, I'm just curious, are you one of those personalities that you say, man, I, I really appreciate the fact that this club took me but I'm better than the 12th pick? Or did you just say, man, I'm just thrilled that they called my name at that point? <laughs> I mean, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I was, like, really happy to, for my phone to ring. Um, and that meant I was going out of that room early, honestly, and wasn't going to uh, be there any much longer. And, um, and just was very, very thankful for that organization and giving me a chance to play in the NFL. You go to Philadelphia now, and I don't know if you, you probably knew this going in because you had representation, but Philly's a tough town now. If you don't perform in Philly, like, that's what they're known for. I mean, they threw, you know, snowballs at Santa Claus, as the story goes. <laughs> Tell me about playing in Philly and what's different about playing in Philly versus other places. Um, I'm going to tell you, I tell every um, – the, the biggest thing for me is, is that the, the toughest thing about it is um, the fans, they're passionate. 
that love their sports. And I tell any and every new guy that walk in the locker room, you got to have thick skin if you're going to make it in Philly. And, you know, some guys may take it as, you know, oh, that's anywhere, and some guys may take it as, oh, you for real? And I'm like, yeah, I'm for real. But I think the biggest thing, man, is um, they're just passionate. They, I mean, they stick, they'll stick with you, um, you know, when – when you're good and kind of when you stink, you know, you got those ones. But, you know, when, when you get back going the way you should be, um, it's, the city is, is really good to play for. There's no question with, with all the Pro Bowls, all the all-pro selections you've had, you're recognized as one of the best defensive linemen in the game. But you get, def- you get double teamed <laughs> regularly. So you don't – the stat numbers don't jump out because you don't get isolated. You don't get one-on-one. What's that like? And I've seen so many professional athletes get really frustrated about being doubled up on every play. What's that been like for you? I think my number one thing going in, knowing that um, the teams are going to give me a lot more attention is, and every week I know this, and I tell myself, um, you know, right before the game, expect it. And when I say expect it, I go and I tell myself, expect double teams, expect teams to uh, run trap, one wham, expect teams to slide you in the protections. And, that, you know, and and that's that's just my biggest thing expected. And go out there and um, find ways. I think that's the biggest thing for me. I find ways to create one-on-ones for myself. And I think, you know, that's helped me um, along the way. Do you feel like – I'm going to say this for you. You know what I'm saying. There are a ton of sacks that happen with your defense because of Fletcher Cox, even if he's not getting a sack, because he's drawn so much attention. Do you, do you feel that way? I love it. I love it when when, I'm, when all the guys get sacked because I know my time is coming. And, uh, you know, we talk about it. <laughs> Did you say that uh, a lot of people always, you know, talk about me just creating a sack, and, but I still get the pressure. I mean, I still get, you know, to celebrate with my teammates and things like that. And, uh, like I said, my time is coming, and uh, before long I get to the quarterback. So I tell those guys just keep going, I'll get there. Here's a question I've always wanted to ask somebody like you. You were named a team captain. How did that happen, and how? what's the process? Does the coach call you, head guy call you in the office and say, you're going to be a captain? Is it a player vote? How does it work when you become a captain? Um, team captain, it is a player vote. Um, and um, every year, um, you know, Doug does it, does it, you know, right after training camp. Um, you get four, six, five captains, I think. Um, so um, it's just, man, just got to appreciate um, your team, and you got to know, you know, how to lead. You know, some guys, you know, I'm a more – um, I'm not going to rah-rah guy, but, you know, I'm, I'm still going to lead by example. I'm going to do the right things and make sure the guys that's kind of st- steering the way, you know, come get on the same train I'm on. And you got vocal guys like Malcolm, you know, um, vocal guys like, you know, um, Kamu and, you know, all the other guys that, you know, Kamu's special teams. And you just got guys that for different roles, and I, I know my role. I wanted to ask you this, too. I want to go back to you win a title in Philly, win, win the whole thing, win a Super Bowl. You were talking about the fans before. Did you feel, did the whole group feel like, man, we got this on our shoulders? Like, we, we, the, I, I, I ought to know this. Did the Eagles ever, they never won a Super Bowl? No, that was the first okay, one so last year. Are you feeling that? Are you feeling that whole city on your shoulders as you guys progress toward winning a Super Bowl? Man, I tell you, I think the city was more excited. Um, you can feel it. You can feel the buzz around. And, you know, and, and then in the locker room, like, we, we, we kind of knew. You know, last year, um, leading up to that, we, we kind of knew that, you know, it, it was our time to go there and, and, you know, bring that city that they've been waiting on for many years, and that was um, a Super Bowl. Just curious, I was a huge Reggie White fan growing up. 
you know, who wasn't? I mean, one of the greatest of all time, Hall of Famer. Only Reggie White have been to more Pro Bowls than you, uh, Fletcher Cox. What does it make you feel like to be mentioned in the same sentence with Reggie White? I mean, <laughs> just to even mention in a sentence or anything with Reggie White, it, it says a lot because that guy had a really high standard. And, you know, for, for people to hold me to that standard right there, it's just really like, you know, wow, like, you know, only me can mess this up, and I just got to keep just keep bringing it. Hey, 180 here. I was reading in this article about you getting into drag racing. How, how did that – I mean, did you not have enough danger in your life playing in the NFL? You needed some more well, to go drag racing? What was that all The whole about? drag racing thing, I started when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, my oldest brother was – you know, obviously got me into it, and everybody know that I, I do love cars. So the whole drag racing thing, man, it's, it just got in me, and, and, and it's still in there. Um, I think, you know, I wanted to do it, and now I'm blessed enough to afford the, the nicer stuff to go out and race go out and race with um, that I'm able to do it, and, and I have a, you know, really good team. So, I mean, um, it's, it's, it's great. It's good for me in the offseason, a good hobby, as I would say. Good deal. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. You mean so much to Mississippi State and, and really the entire state of Mississippi. You're, you're one of our treasures, and uh, can't wait to see you again. Come yes, back sir. Us. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yeah. What a great interview with Fletcher Cox, a Mississippi State football legend, guy who was a part of a lot of wins here in Starkville and a Super Bowl champion now with the Philadelphia Eagles, brought a championship to that city that, as you guys referenced, they had been waiting for for a long, long time. I picked up on the part of the conversation where you're talking to him about playing in a market where fans are passionate, but they can also be very critical. And I think guys who played in the SEC are probably very accustomed to that because even though the markets can be much smaller, people are still just as passionate, aren't they? No question. And, you know, playing in Philadelphia is not an easy task. Those those folks are pretty demanding, and they're great fans, as he mentioned several times. I, I want to mention this too, Neil. He had just come off a knee surgery, and it wasn't a serious surgery, but he was on one of those little roller things, and we had to get him to the, the top floor of the Humphrey Coliseum, and he was happy to be part of that interview. It, just such a gracious, warm guy. And, you know, he's not small. You know, he mentioned in the interview, you know, I mean, here's a guy who couldn't bench press 135 pounds, and you look at him today, you'd think he could do it like with his index finger. He has come so far in such a short, a relatively short amount of time, but we just appreciate him spending some time with us um, on a Saturday here in Starkville. You connected uh, Fletcher to one of the great players in NFL history and certainly one of the great Philadelphia Eagles. Growing up in East Tennessee, I remember hearing about the Minister of Defense, Reggie White. And tell me how you think Fletcher compares to Reggie. You know, they have a very similar uh, demeanor, Neil. I mean, I, I didn't know Reggie White very well, but he was one of those guys who was a leader. And, of course, one of the things we talked about in the interview is the fact that Fletcher's now uh, a team captain. That's a big deal when you're talking about being at that level uh, in, in the NFL. And, and we're, we, Dak Prescott, also uh, a uh, team captain as well, uh, just, just really proud of him and what he's been able to accomplish. But, but more than that, um, you know that this guy, when he's done with football, is going to have a second act because he, he's going to be incredibly successful. So our conversation with Fletcher Cox wrapping up a big day of football on the podcast today. You heard from Darius Slay earlier. We'll come back and put the wraps on this episode in a moment. Ah, oh, finally, a kids-free weekend. And you miss your kids. 
At Seaspire, we get it. That's why our network now has twice the nationwide LTE coverage. So no matter how far from home, you can always check in. Grandpa got me a double chocolate extra sugar milkshake. For that never far from home moment, the Seaspire network has you covered. Seaspire, customer inspired. For a limited time, buy one Galaxy S10, get one free. Details at seaspire.com. So, what do you think? We got one of these in the books. You feel good about it? Boy, you know, the guests are carrying me. I tell you, when you talk about having guys like Darius and Fletcher, it's just an honor to have a conversation. Neil, this is more for me than maybe the folks even listening, because these are the questions I want to ask, the information I want to know about these really special athletes. So, we'll have more of these conversations. Again, we had a football day today. There's a really good possibility we're going to have a baseball day coming up pretty soon. And again, not to give away the order of these, but you've already had some pretty in-depth baseball discussions with guys that Mississippi State people. And if you follow Major League Baseball, in some cases, people that you're going to know, right? Yeah, you know, Neil, you can't really trust the baseball guys. You know, they're always trying to steal stuff. They're trying to steal bases. They're trying to steal signs. You know, they're trying to manipulate the baseball and make it spin and all. So we will have some baseball guys, but, you know, you can't always trust those guys. Yeah, you know? because there's a baseball guy that's talking to you right now who is doing what? Stealing your time by doing this. Yeah, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, seriously, <laughs> we have some really special guests coming up uh, on the baseball side of things. And uh, we're just getting warmed up with this, Neil. Very, very exciting times. That's right. Just getting warmed up. And we hope that you're going to hang around with us. Remember, you can have this podcast delivered right to your favorite device whether it be your tablet, your mobile phone, your computer, simply by clicking on the subscribe button. And if you like what you're hearing, we'd appreciate it if you throw a few stars our way in the ratings too. Let's us know what you like and helps us to do a better job, keeps us motivated, so to speak, on the other end as well. That'll do it for this episode of the John Cohen Podcast. For John, I'm Neil Price and our producer, Daniel Watkins. Thank you so much for being a part of it. We'll talk to you again soon.